1: Hi, welcome to the oil spills podcast for Tuesday, March 19th, 2019. I'm your host Craig Ellingson, and I talked to Edmonton Oilers beat writer, Derek Van Deest of the Edmonton journal and the Edmonton sun about the ever slimmer playoff hopes of the team. They're hopeless practically, but because the NHL's Western conference has a lot of mediocre teams this season, the Oilers among them, Edmonton still has hope this late in the campaign. At the same point last year, the Oilers were well back of the playoff pack and out of it. We also talk about Connor McDavid and his heart trophy odds. We think the chances of him being the most valuable player to his team should be quite high, but like last year, the Oilers are out of the playoff picture. So chances are he'll miss out. And we talk about the Cinderella story that is the Arizona Coyotes, the team the Oilers are chasing for a wild card spot. They're the relatively no-name team that has decent odds of staying in and winning the wildcard playoff spots, and if there are any lessons in them for the Oilers. Ah, magic numbers. Now we're recording this on Monday. And each of the Oilers, the Dallas Stars, who have the first wild card spot right now in the uh, NHL Western Conference, they have 10 games left and so do the Arizona Coyotes. They also have 10 games left and they have the second wild card. They're the ones the Oilers are chasing. Magic numbers, Dallas has 11 points, 11, 11, the number is 11 for Dallas over the Oilers. So any combination of, you know, let's say the Tuesday game, Oilers are playing in St. Louis. Dallas is playing the Florida Panthers. Let's say for argument's sake, Dallas wins that game, Oilers loses that game. The magic number for the Dallas Stars goes down by four. You know, a combination of two points for a win, plus the Oilers didn't wouldn't get any points, it's a four pointer. If they both win, the number goes down to nine. You know, because the Oilers need the Dallas Stars to lose and they need to keep winning in order to make up all that ground. Yeah. You know, and they, the Coyote's magic number is 13. I think the Coyotes play tonight against the Tampa Bay Lightning. So if they win, that number goes down to 11, you know, and then and then the rest of the week, conceivably, um, let's say, for argument's sake, Dallas wins all their games this week, you know, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, and the Oilers lose all three of their games. Well, then Dallas is, Edmonton is uh, out of the Stars' rear view mirror. Um, they're no longer a threat to Dallas, for a playoff spot, if the Coyotes win the rest of their week, they play four games this week, including I think the Sunday game. So we'll we'll go into next week a bit. They win. They run the table. The Orders lose all three of their games. Order season is is over because that's the final team. The Orders need to catch. Now, mind you, you know teams change. Look, what if all this, if Minnesota all of a sudden. Catches on some fire here and goes above the Coyotes, then that's the team the orders need to chase. Anyway, a whole lot of that's really what the magic number is all about. Well, I don't expect the orders to lose the you know the rest of the games this week, but of course it could happen. It can happen to anybody. You know, any given Sunday, someone can win a game, someone can lose a game. You know, the orders are playing the are they playing Ottawa this coming Saturday. Yeah, they have Ottawa. Actually, you look at their other schedule; it's not really that tough. And I I think they have some toughies, and they have some it should be gimme's. They have you know three teams below them in the standings: L.A., Anaheim, Ottawa. Yeah, that they you know of course just like the Jersey game last week,
0: they should beat them. Yeah, they should win those games, and they got Columbus and Dallas, and those are two teams are also fighting for playoff spots. You look at the situation. Yeah, you could come up with these all these permutations and combinations. I've always contended that the Oilers have to finish eight games over five hundred. To get that playoff spot. That's the way I've always looked at it. And yeah. they're a game under right now. They're a game under 500 right now with 10 games to go. Yeah. So if you want to finish eight games over 500, you got to go nine and one. They need to win nine games. <laughs> right? <laughs> so they gotta win nine of those 10 games.
1: But, and, you know, and, and it sounds like a lot, but I mean, of course we had a recent stretch where the orders went. What was it? Was it six, two, and two, seven, two, and two, where they obviously won more than they yeah. lost. They got points in, uh, you know, nine of 11 or or uh, eight of 10 or whatever it was. Yeah. So it's not not inconceivable.
0: No, it, it's not, but they're going to need some balls to go in their favor as but well. But you'd
1: also need, you know, all these other teams ahead of them, Dallas, Arizona, Colorado, Chicago, uh, Minnesota, all to all of a sudden start losing a bunch. Yeah. So, I mean, I saw a number out there and I can't remember. I mean, there's, there's plenty of places you can go to look at uh, numbers. You know, people are tracking their own magic numbers and percentages. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can't remember the site I was looking at, but the Oilers essentially have, according to this one site, a well, 1.2% chance of making the playoffs now. Yeah. It's low. It's it, very slim. It's very slim. You know, one one chance in a hundred, yeah. just a little better than that. So oh. crazier things have happened, I'm sure. You know, Bill Moiseyanko scored three goals in 21 seconds once yeah. in 1948 or whatever. <laughs> Could happen. You know? No, it,
0: it's, it's, the thing is, I think, see the Oilers l- missed out on an opportunity here. A really big opportunity and I think that's probably got to be the frustrating part for them because by not beating by not beating the New Jersey Devils and then not beating the Coyotes in regulation like they gave the Coyotes a point that that was two that was four big points there that they could have probably made up on on Phoenix um but they let that slip away so then suddenly if you go into if you go in Arizona and you're only six points back and you can cut the deficit to four with a regulation win that's a lot of pressure on the Arizona Coyotes now you're you're coming you're charging now and that's a big thing for the and to to kind of let that opportunity slip from them was uh I think you know that that's something that they're going to look back and regret on obviously you didn't want to stumble against New Jersey you wouldn't you didn't get particularly good goaltending in that game you didn't get particularly good goaltending in the game against um Vegas Golden Knights the other night or last night. Um, but that's when you look back at those little stumbling blocks and those opportunities that were missed. And I think that's a big one there. Because if you go in Arizona and you're only six points back and you with a regulation win, you pull yourself within four points of a playoff spot. Now it's a different ball game altogether. Now it's a different thing. Now you're seven, but now you're seven points back and you're, you're watching the pack go from you. And now, now you have to put together this incredible run that you haven't done all year. Now you're expecting it to do it at the end of the year. It's not going to happen. But I think the fact that the Oilers are still kind of they're still breathing, they're not dead yet, and it's we're into March, we're into mid-March. I think is 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 good for some fans because by usually this time of the year in the past, we've been talking about next season. Like th- there is no chance. At least still there there is still some breath in the Oilers right now.
1: Oh, you're absolutely right. I mean, how many times in the last well twelve years? decade plus of darkness have the orders been out of it by the end of November. Yeah. I mean, you know, when that US Thanksgiving came along this year, the orders were not in the playoff picture suggesting that, nope, they're not going to make it. I mean, who knows? I mean, that's not a absolute 100% ironclad guarantee. That's not going to happen. However, there, you know, obviously there's something to it. Um, but, you know, the orders obviously had, you know, the, the coaching change, Hitchcock came in, they had the... They had the winning, uh, not a streak, but you know, definitely a, a, a boost under Ken Hitchcock. Mm-hmm. You know, and they were in the they were in the playoff picture at Christmas time. Um, of course, they did lose a bit before Christmas, and then the wheels came off right after Christmas for them. And they haven't been in the playoff picture since just after Christmas. They haven't been in a playoff position at all. Eighth or, or better. So you know, even though they were you know two points back for quite a long time you know, trading wins and losses with the rest of the so-called, and we've been branding it, the Turtle Derby for quite a while, ever since then. Because, you know, there's a whole lot of teams that are, you know, winning some, losing some, and we're doing this crazy junior high shuffle all the way to the end of the season. So, anyways, you know, I, you know, I, you know, I went to, uh, you know, visit some family not too long ago, and some of them are from Calgary, and they come up and look at me with a, you know, kind of a smile in their eyes going, so, yeah, how are those orders doing? It's like, well, it's it's kind of our playoffs right now. This is is it. This is the exciting time because the chances they're going to make it, of course, it's very extremely long, shoddy, slim. Whereas the Flames, as we now know, and this is this is just this weekend. They've clinched the playoff spot. Yeah, they did. It's funny, the Calgary Flames I was watching the Simpsons last
0: night and there's a reference to the Calgary Lames <laughs> <laughs> which what? I thought was really funny. Um but yeah, they they're they're obviously clinching. But you you look at the the way the West is is, is shaped and I think there's really five good teams in the west and then there's everybody else and i think that's one of the reasons why everyone was still kind of in the mix like you look at winnipeg and nashville they're they're up there uh calgary and san jose and vegas they're in their own so those five teams are the class of the west and then everyone else is just kind of beating up on each other and no one can get any traction get any ground st louis blues have a little bit of traction going now but they could easily slip again it's it's really interesting the way it's all kind of panned out and i think it's kind of an anomaly that the, that the West worked out the way it is because usually at this point, if you're 500, you're way out of the playoff race. You're well behind playoff race. You look at, I think in the East, the Montreal Canadiens are nine points at over 500 and they're out of the playoffs. Yeah. They're three points out of the playoffs. And so it's kind of interesting that the only reason the Oilers are still around this year is because everyone else is kind of in the same boat and no one can
1: get any traction. The vast majority, you know, the majority of the Western Conference, not vast, but they're mediocre. Yeah. Yeah. And we haven't seen that necessarily. Like obviously the likes of LA and Anaheim, you know, in the very recent past, like two years ago, were cream of the crop in the the Western Mm -hmm. Conference and they're bottom feeders. LA is going to be last place. There's no chance for them. I don't think there's any chance. Well, I don't know if... Anaheim is technically eliminated yet but they're close yeah they're close they're not good that's the thing
0: you have la Anaheim Chicago are not in the mix this year and the Oilers still can't get up in the into that top top eight spot for better lack of a better words and and I think that's a frustrating part too because you look at this season the like the opportunity was there for the Edmonton Oilers to make the playoffs and 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 regardless of where, where they're going to go in the playoffs but the opportunity was there and I think that's what is going to be most disappointing about this season is that they just failed to take advantage of it. And with all the mess that was going on, firing the coach, firing their GM, making some bad deals, but, you know, getting rid of some like it just it was just such a mess. And then the fact that, you know, they couldn't take advantage of of other organizations are a mess too. Like the Kings, the way they dropped off, the Anaheim, the way they dropped off, and in Chicago, the way they've dropped off. It just these were for pillars of the Western Conference for, for a long, long time. And now they're not involved and, and the Edmonton still can't make up ground on this on this team. And that's got to be really disappointing.
1: Yeah. But, you know, you can sit, you know, and obviously we're getting close to the end and we'll we'll have an opportunity to do a post-mortem and an autopsy of what happened. But, I mean, it's been the same story almost all year long, particularly when you look at the forwards. Of course, you've got Connor McDavid, arguably the best player in the game today. You've got Leon Dreisaitl, who has emerged as, I would have to say, an elite player in the NHL. I don't think anybody can argue that he's second to Alex Ovechkin in goals in the NHL. He can still conceivably reach 50. That's unheard of. I mean, the last order to do that was 30 plus years ago. Um, But after that, you have Ryan Neutron Hopkins and you've got a whole lot of, a whole lot of else. You've got decent fourth line players, arguably, but then that's what the majority of your secondary forwards are. They're third, fourth liners. You you know, the, obviously the disappointment of Milan Lucic has been, has been around for almost two seasons now. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't have Toby Reeder ha- scoring anything this year. You were hoping this guy would, be, what, hopefully at least pot 10 goals, at least 10, yeah. you know? I mean, the goal dif- differential for the Oilers is minus 30 this year, yeah. you know? They have no business being in the playoff conversation because you look at any team ahead of them, and if anybody's minus, well, they're only minus six, minus eight. You know, I, I don't have the standings right in front of me with all the totals, but the orders are well behind in that regards. And that's, that's a, obviously it's a failure on the part of Peter Chiarelli. I mean, of course you're rolling the dice, bringing in whatever your free agents are. And obviously Alex Chason worked out very well, but you know, the drop-off is pretty steep. I mean, when Zach Cassian's your the fifth highest scoring forward on the team. Um, that's a problem because he wasn't being looked to, to be providing those goals. That was, you know, he signed Milan Lucic to get somewhere between 15 and 20 goals a year at this point in time. Who knows by year seven of his contract, maybe he's not looked at for that, but he certainly was looked at for it now. You know, and Toby Reeder is supposed to be, you know, on and on. I could, you know, we could rip up the lineup all we want. Yeah. But that's really what it is.
0: Well, it is. They're not getting any production, any production from the bottom half of their lineup. And you look at guys like Kyle Brodzek as well, you can throw into the mix there. And 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 that's the problem. They were hoping some of these guys could chip in and that's all they needed to do was just chip in. Toby Reeder just needed to chip in 10 goals, 10 goals somewhere along the line and get you a couple wins.
1: Yeah, and then, uh, the, then they're only minus 20. Yeah, exactly. And the point total is different.
0: Yeah, exactly. And, <laughs> yeah. Who knows? Exactly. and, and Milan Lucic, it just, it, it, he's lost his game and he's not going to get it back. And, and you know, we thought maybe this last year, last year was kind of just an anomaly and he just lost his confidence and lost his hands, but no, he's done. He's not going to get you, he's not going to get you the 15, or 20 goals that you're hoping to, that you're paying for, basically. You're paying a $6 million player to, to get you five goals a year. That's not, that's not going to work. And so I think obviously, yeah, the Oilers did, did not expect some of the guys to struggle the way they did. Tobias Reeder doesn't even look, close to coming score it's not like he's getting all these chances and you think okay just a matter of time he he doesn't create anything offensively and he passes up a lot of shooting opportunities which is mind-boggling to me and yeah he doesn't get those opportunities so it looks like he's not he's gonna go the whole year without scoring a goal like I, i would put that bet down i don't think he's gonna score a goal this year and and you're right when you have a top heavy roster like the oilers do when they're paying a guy 12 and they they're paying another guy eight and a half billion they're paying another guy six million you need to find good cheap alternatives and chase on is that but there's not enough for those guys and there's too many guys that probably wouldn't be in this league if they weren't playing for the edmonton Oilers. i think they have too many ahl caliber players on this nhl roster and i think that's going to be the, that's obviously their ultimate downfall
1: yeah, I mean, you know, apologies to the likes of Josh Curry and Joseph Gambardella who are currently up with the team now, but they shouldn't be here. No, you know? they shouldn't. No,
0: they shouldn't. They not not they're not at a team that's chasing a playoff spot. No, and so AHLers aren't going to help you. They're not going to help you. And I, and I know that the team is doing well down in Makersfield and they're playing well, but those guys are AHL players. They're not NHL players, and they're not going to help you up here. And, it, and it's and you are seeing that right now. And the, the Oilers have too many guys on their NHL roster that are AHL caliber players. And you're not going to get the job done that way.
1: You know, a year ago, some of the talk was about Connor McDavid and, uh, you know, he was, uh, in the mix to win the Art Ross, ended up winning the Art Ross trophy because he was a leading point getter, had his best season point wise actually last year. And and this year he'll, he'll eclipse that. Of course, uh, Nikita Kucherov in, uh, Tampa Bay is the odds on favorite probably to win the Art Ross. But of course last year. McDavid's name because he was the defending heart trophy winner from the previous season. The debate was, does Connor McDavid deserve to win the heart this year? Now that was 2018. The Oilers finished well back in the playoff race. This year's a little different. They're still in the mix somehow, some way. Um, but for that reason alone, and Connor McDavid's having another career year scoring wise, um, but because the Oilers aren't in the playoffs again likely does that disclude McDavid from being the a bonafide hard Trophy candidate well i think part of it is is the description of the hard
0: Trophy the player who's judged most valuable to his team and i don't think there's any argument that Connor McDavid is the most valuable player to his team you take Connor McDavid out of the Oilers lineup and they are rock bottom like they are nowhere near anywhere so i think that takes into consideration but then you look at the situation, well, okay, well, they didn't make the playoffs, so without McDavid, they still wouldn't have made the playoffs. So he, you have to kind of, I agree in that sense, you have to take them somewhere. Like, you have to be a, a most valuable player, but you have to take your team somewhere because if you're not there and the team still doesn't go anywhere, does it really matter? Uh, and I think that's what a lot of voters look at. If your team doesn't make the playoffs, yeah, he's very valuable to your team. I don't think there's any debate that Connor McDavid is the most valuable player to, to, the, to his team because if without him, the Edmonton Oilers would be nowhere. But in saying that, he wasn't able to lead them anywhere despite the fact that he gets 105 points this year. Like it's, it's, and that's not a failing on Connor McDavid. It's a failing on the people around him and the people putting this hockey team together and, and those that kind of brought people around. And that, it's a failing on them. So, yeah, it's an interesting conversation. You're right. Kucherov's going to win it. He's having an unbelievable year. He's up to 117, 117 points now. He's probably going to finish over 120. But if you take Kucherov out of the Tampa Bay lineup, they're still a pretty good hockey team. Yeah. Steven Stamkos is still there. Yeah. For starters. Yeah, exactly. So they're still a pretty strong hockey team. So, so that's how you kind of weigh it. If you take basically to me, the way the wording is for the award, the most valuable player to his team, it's Connor McDavid, but you have to lead them somewhere. I think I've always said that you have to take them somewhere because yeah. So what if they finished second last or third last without this player? even though everybody knows that this player is so valuable to this hockey club.
1: Well, I think, you know, and the measure to me is when you take them out of the lineup, mind you, you know, McDavid did get suspended for a couple of games this year. He did miss a couple of games with illness and I would say most of the time, you know, the Oilers struggled, although they did play relatively well during the suspension, mm-hmm. uh, without him. I mean, Leon lot has elevated his game, especially this last half of the year, but, um. You know, look around the the league at other players who, you know, resemble Connor McDavid, Connor McDavid's stature on the team and, you know, you would take out, I don't know, Elias Patterson's a rookie, but, you know, have, not having him in the lineup really did hurt the Canucks in some ways, although they do have some very good players still who can carry that team. Um, I don't know, you could probably look around the Western Conference in particular since they're having such a you know, a mediocre season, all things considered. Um,
0: well, Patrick Kane's still. Patrick, Patrick Kane's Kane. had 99 points this year, and he's having a fantastic season.
1: You know, without him, yeah. are the Blackhawks even doing that?
0: Yeah, and same thing about Nathan McKinnon. Nathan McKinnon's having a, 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 he's got 91 points, so he's having a great season in Colorado. So, yeah, when it comes to, yeah, I think that that it's it's kind of interesting. They may have to relook at that award and say, "Well, this award is just to the best player in the league."
1: But that's the that's the I was going to say the Pearson, sorry, the Ted Lindsay Award, though. Yeah. The most outstanding player award, you know, you know, the Hart Trophy is awarded by the Professional Hockey Writers Association, correct? And the Pearson Award, sorry, the Ted Lindsay Award, is from the NHLPA. Yeah. You're voted on by your peers. You know, two two awards that are. You know, essentially the same, but not exactly. Yeah, they're a little different. Yeah, you're right. One is the most valuable player to a team, and the other one is, you know, most valuable
0: player as by the by chosen by the players. I think that's, and I think that means a lot to the players. when when you're chosen as the most valuable player by your peers, I think it means a lot, as opposed to a bunch of sports writers to just go down and 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 watch the game. And to be honest, you know, I, I'm I was part of that association, and. You, you you know more about your own team than you do about the other teams, right? So if your candidate is in your market, you're, you're going to say, oh, of course, it's going to be our candidate. It's going to, and especially in the, even in the West, it's West and East, and it's kind of gets complicated in that regard. But the players, I think the players have, are a bit more in tune to, to who is probably the best player in the league. And I, and you say, and you see it all around. I think every player thinks that Conor
1: McDavid is the most talented and the best player in, this hockey, in the National Hockey League. You know, and I think about McDavid and, you know, the first half of the year you were considering, especially at the beginning, how many points Conor McDavid was in on for the Oilers and in their scoring. He was like, you know, without him, you know, the Oilers, they'd be 0-20 to start the year is yeah. what it seems like at times. I mean, this, the last half of the year, yeah, we've we've had scoring from other sources, but, you know, obviously Leon Dreisaitl comes to mind. And of course Leon does play with Conor McDavid whether that's on the power plays sometimes when the when they throw them up on the same line during the game and in overtime. Yeah. So of course he benefits from playing with, with McDavid and vice versa. But you know, they've had other sources of scoring too. I mean, obviously Cassian's picked things up a little bit a bit, and you know, they had Alex Chase on in the mix, et cetera. Um, but for that, you know, you look at those sorts of things, like how much offense McDavid is responsible for. And it's quite Quite striking. Like, like we just talked about with Kane and McKinnon, you know, or with uh, Chicago and Colorado, too. Yeah. Well, he's in almost 50% of the, mm-hmm. of the team's offense, right? So it's
0: created that's, that's an incredible number to create half of your team's offense. So it's just, uh, you know, you look, like, he's got 105 points, and the Oilers have scored what is it, 204 goals. So that's more than half of your team's offense that is comes from one player which is it just almost unheard of the, the fact that this guy is generating so much for for your team it's uh um, it's impressive and it's kind of it's almost depressing as well. when you have two players in top 5 in scoring and your team is still nowhere near the playoffs and that's a management problem that's not a superstar problem
1: you know i think about what we just talked about uh, you know, valuable players and where scoring comes from and the will make up your makeup of your team, the lineup. And of course the owners just played the Arizona Coyotes on a Saturday and they're chasing them for a playoff spot. They're in, currently in the second wild card in the West. And that's a team that was decimated by injury this year. They had a lot of regulars out of the lineup. Um, and it's also a team of relative unknowns. Like there's no definable superstar on that team. I mean, you do have a guy like Clayton Keller, who is, wh- is a very good NHL player and would be welcome on a, on every team, top liner on, on almost everybody's team, if not top six, but th- they're a, a no name team and I know it's Arizona and they don't get near the attention that obviously the Canadian teams get, or, you know, the, the traditional markets in in the United States, outside of New York, Chicago. They're not a high profile team, but there they are, no names, they're managed by a, a relative, you know, young in John Chaika, general manager there. And, you know, and they're, and they're doing it with a team that they've had to call up players in the AHL. they plug them in and they have success. They do have Rick Tuckett as a coach who, uh, you know, is being talked about as a uh, candidate for uh, coach of the year. Um, And he could very well win it, particularly if the Coyotes make the playoffs. So I think about the makeup of the Coyotes, they do play in Phoenix. They're not the top banana dog in terms of attention in in that city as as most NHL teams in the United States. Uh, Contrasting that with Edmonton, um, I don't know. I mean, I don't think you're going to go out and hire a young analytics-based 25-year-old to be your GM if you're the Edmonton Oilers, but I don't know, are there any takeaways from the Arizona situation well, for the Edmonton Oilers? it's
0: interesting. I think one takeaway is Rick Tockett will probably win coach of the year for the job he's done there. And, and you look at the situation with Arizona, their leading scorer has 45 points as opposed to Edmonton who has two guys that are going to get hundred points. So they're doing it, and I don't want to say smoke and mirrors, but they're, they're, they're grinding it out. They're finding ways to win. They're getting really good goaltending now from a guy that was a career backup for, for a long, long time. And they're getting contributions throughout the lineup. So are you better off with two players getting to hundred points and no one else contributing, or are you better off with, you know, your top guy getting 50 points and everybody yeah, scoring by committee committee. Yeah. And it's, and I think that's what they're doing right now. But when you look at Arizona and you look at the way they're, they're put together and this team has been put together and yeah, they have been decimated by injuries. Then they've had, you know, a lot of bad luck, but, I don't think this is a secret. Like, this is not the key to success, in my opinion. This is something that is just it's a one off. Because if you put this same group together next year or the year after, are they going to have that same type of success? Like, I, I don't think they are. Because I just think this is kind of a one off. And they've caught lightning in a bottle. And they're fortunate to play in a very, very bad conference. And, and they're getting good goaltending and they're grinding out wins. And, you know, Rick Tockett is finding a way. To, you know, he's, he's, he's pushing these guys hard. And so that's how they're getting it done. But I don't. I'm not convinced that that's the secret of success here. Like I think it's a one time thing. They got to make the playoffs. They are going to make a good story. They got to make the playoffs. They play five games, and then people are going to forget about the, the Arizona Coyotes. I think it's just you need. And you know, you talk about yeah, they're pretty much an own name team. They have one superstar in Oliver ekman Larson, Basically, he's their top guy. Um, but yeah, they're 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 a feel good story because they are doing this. And they're just doing it basically on hard work, and and they're getting contributions throughout
1: the lineup. Like they have no passengers on that team. Yeah, you know, instilling that sort of—I mean, you know—you talk Rick Talkin obviously deserves the credit here um, in a lot of ways. But you know, having those players to bring up or, or finding the finding the uh, the band aids, and and then having this this level of success. I mean, of course, you're not going to model your team after hey, let's, let's have six guys go down to injury who would otherwise be starters and then, and then plug, it, plug in our, our you know, players from the farm. But I mean, it has to say something about the organization.
0: Well, that they have some depth. I think yeah. that's the problem is that the Oilers don't have any depth. And, and, and when it comes to depth, it's, it's a situation where they have, let's say they have talented NHL guy caliber guys playing in the NHL that you can bring up. And I think that's the difference right now is that the Oilers don't. I think the guys in the AHL are AHL guys and where other teams have a- NHL caliber players playing in the AHL, they may not have a lot, but they have a few sprinkled out there. And that means when, when someone does go down, then you can bring one of these guys up from your farm team and, and plug that hole and, and he does it and they do it well. And I think the Oilers don't have that. They don't have a guy they can bring up from the farm to plug a hole. They yeah. Just...
1: I mean, the Arizona Coyotes were forced to do that. I mean, it'd be interesting. You know, it's always interesting when, ha- you know, let's say for argument's sake six regulars were injured. I can't remember how many coyotes were, but I think it was around that number. Yeah. Um, whether it was on defense or forward. But then you're forced to basically play, you know, what? All, an entire, one of your four lines are age, at least uh, equivalent from the AHL. And I would probably say a couple from the AHL playing their defense. Of course, the orders experienced that this year. Um, you know, I had to call up Caleb Jones you know during the uh, injuries to Clef Bomb and Chris Russell so they discover what they have there but for it to happen on mass i guess that's when you do discover what you have in your farm system and how serv how serviceable they are yeah no for sure
0: and i think um and i i i, I said it again this thing in Bakersfield I, i'm i'm happy for Bakersfield i'm happy for the organization doing well but i i just don't think how I don't think it'll translate to the NHL level because you look at those guys in Bakersfield and they're kind of the Arizona Coyotes of Bakersfield because Bakersfield doesn't have one guy lighting it up. They're doing it by committee as well. And so I think um, when you look at those guys, how many of those guys are going to come up and play for the Edmonton Oilers? Maybe three, maybe four uh, down the road. Is that successful? I don't know. Like, Is that something that you look at it and go, oh, we have a really good AHL team, but only three of those guys from the AHL team are going to play. Are going to be regulars on our NHL team. So, um, yeah, it's just, you need that depth and you need to have that depth, and, but I don't think any success at the AHL necessarily translates into success at the NHL level.
1: Well, let's end the podcast. Uh, I recall you saying at the beginning of the year that the Oilers were just going to miss the playoffs, mm-hmm. like by two points or something. Yeah. You standing by that?
0: Standing by that. I say four points. They're going to be four points out. And it's going to be funny because it's going to come down to those last two games. Uh, I think they have Calgary. I know Calgary is the last game of the year. People
1: uh, play San Jose, Jose and Calgary. Calgary at the end. Yeah,
0: San yeah. Jose and Calgary at the end. I, I, like I said, I, I maintained this from the beginning. I think they're just going to miss out. So I think they'll miss by four points and it's going to come down to those last two games.
1: So you're looking forward to, I would have to say, a relatively exciting final three weeks then. Because I think Because they, so. they're to have to win a few games yeah, so, I think in order so. to do that.
0: I think they have a chance with the schedule coming up. I think they can, you know, Ken Hitchcock said before this road trip, we need to win two out of three. And that's still a possibility. Like if they beat St. Louis, then they come home and they got five games at home, very winnable games. Columbus, Ottawa, the Kings, Dallas, and Anaheim. They'd say they, they'd say they run those that table there, and have six wins in a row. Now they're back to five games over five hundred. And I always said you need to be eight games over five hundred. So they only have three games left, four games left to get to three games, eight to get to the eight games over five hundred. That's where I think it's going to come down to. Um, I just like I, I like the fact that they're still we're still talking about the possibility. I know it's not there, but I, I do think that you have to give the owners credit because they could have been written off a long time ago, and they're still fighting. They're still going out there. They're still battling. And they're still trying to win these games. And, and that's what you want from them. That's all you can expect. And you know the roster is flawed. You know there's, lots, there's some holes that have to be filled. But they're going out there and they're trying to win. And they're trying to do it with what they have. And I think that's something that's admirable about this team is that they're, they're, they're going to go down with a fight. They're going to go down swinging. And I, I see it happening in that regard, in that, in that way, basically. <laughs>
1: That's our Oil Spills podcast for today. You can listen to our show via iTunes, Google Play, and SoundCloud.